We bury it. For now. Yes, we say the VC got it. They don't. We come back and collect. You mean rip it off? We ain't ripping off shit. Who feel like they're ripping something off? We was the very first people that died for this red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's right. It was a soul, brother. Christmas addicts at the motherfucking Boston Massacre. We've been dying for this country from the very get. Hoping one day they'd give us our rightful place. All they give us was a foot up our black asses. But fuck that. I say, the USA owe us. We built this bitch. So what you saying, blood? I'm saying, we repossess this gold. Like they about to come repossess your cash your convertible now. <laughs> <laughs> We repossess this gold for every single black boot that never made it home. Every brother and sister stolen from Mother Africa to Jamestown, Virginia, way back in 1619. We give this gold to our people. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Red String Movie Podcast, the podcast where everything is connected. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson, and joining me is my friend and the person... Least likely to carry that much gold out of a jungle because that's that, that shit's heavy. Alex Perkins, Perk, how you doing tonight? Um, I'm good, uh, and I think you underestimate my value of money. Um, <laughs> I will carry as much gold as is there to my own. Detriment. I don't know, Perk. I don't, I don't think of you as a very greedy person. Are you secretly greedy? I'm more. I'm just sad about being poor. Mm, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. That was probably one of the things this movie. There's only a couple things that I'm like, that doesn't make sense. It's like, that's too much goddamn gold. Like, that is heavy as fuck, and they're carrying all that shit out of there. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, but welcome back to the Red String Week podcast, everyone. Um, as always, you can find our show on Friday mornings on podcast services. And, of course, this is the podcast where every week we review a movie that is connected to the previous one in one way or another. Last week, we talked about Do the Right Thing, and our connection was the director, Spike Lee. I tell you what, Perk, we watch a lot of Spike Lee movies lately. He might be, be becoming one of my favorite filmmakers. This dude makes good movies. He does, in fact. I, uh, I'm not going to argue with that one. But yeah, the yeah. movie we watched this week is The Five Bloods, a Netflix mm-hmm. uh, original film. It's a 2020 joint uh, and also a Spike Lee joint. Uh, <laughs> and it uh, centers around uh, four black veterans of the Vietnam War as they go back to Vietnam uh, in their older age to uh, try and bring back the gold they uh, hid away and the remains of their lost captain. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, uh, do you want to get any trivia stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll throw a couple couple little tidbits in there for you. Uh, the 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 five bloods are named after the members of the Temptations. Uh, which mm-hmm. I didn't know because I'm uneducated, but <laughs> nice to learn. As they a, reference them in this movie, I'm pretty sure. They do reference they the re- Temptations, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, the craziest one I saw is that the original planned cast, given all that all the acting in this movie is really good, but the original mm-hmm. pro- planned cast was Giancarlo Esposito, Samuel L. Jackson, Denzel Washington, and John David Washington. Which would have been insane 
that would have been insane. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, Perk, the the problem with that lineup is it doesn't have Delroy Lindo. It's true <laughs> because have Delroy. If I may, if I may start on my thoughts on this movie, uh, you may not. Del, all right. <laughs> Delroy <laughs> Lindo fucking blew me out of the water in this movie. He is so fucking good. I could not get over it. This entire movie, he was absolutely incredible playing this very tragic uh, character dealing with PTSD and the loss of his wife during childbirth, becoming very uh, kind of on edge, which leads him to being like a Trump supporter and a nationalist and just absolutely fascinating character. And he plays the crazy, terrifying character so well. I just, I couldn't get over him in this movie. Um, He was definitely a standout. Yeah, so uh, he is by far the highlight of this movie, um, and I think it's it's kind of funny to see because uh, in a nice uh, full circle of events here, uh, he was in uh, the first movie we watched on this podcast before we were re- re- we were recording uh, Malcolm mm-hmm. X, mm-hmm. where he plays uh, the West Indian Archie. Yes, thank you, West Indian Archie. Um, and he's like just a side character in that, and he's like fine, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. ha- having that be the only performance I've seen from him, this seemed way out of left field. He, I know, and if if you look at his IMDb, he doesn't have a lot of like leading roles. He often plays like a side character. Like, I've seen him in a few like random TV shows, but yeah, he was a leading man in this, and he absolutely killed it. Yeah, so like his performance was just outstanding. Like one of the best I've seen in a long time. Um, and it, it made me wonder because, so first of all, if that, if that lineup that, uh, I just mentioned, if that had been the cast, this would have had mm-hmm. far more Oscar attention. But of yeah. course, uh, since it doesn't have the big names, the Oscars don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so unfortunately he, he went unrecognized, but man, I, I was like, good Lord. How, how did he not get a, a nomination at least for this? And I looked I back, know. and the, the, uh, it was a pretty stacked year for best actor, um, mm-hmm. but still, it's just it's tough tough to see. It's one of those things where like you you have to hope that if they nominated ten actors, he'd be on that list. But since they only did five, maybe they had him at seven. But this is absolutely a a performance worth rec- worth recognition. No, I'm in the same exact boat. As soon as I finished the movie, I'm like, please tell me he got nominated for something, and. He got a bunch of awards from not from the Oscars, smaller circuits. But it's just yeah. like, man, he I, he I think he really deserved a nom for this because I was just absolutely just in awe of him the entire time. Just no, absolutely I'm, incredible. Yeah, some of the there are scenes, especially in Spike Lee movies, where like the entire scene is the character. And I'm talking like mm-hmm. shot wise too. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. for example, in uh, Do the Right Thing. There's a scene when the camera pans right onto Mookie's face, and he's just there's just venom in his look, mm-hmm. and he, he like the the actor has to hold the entire shot, and yeah. so there are especially towards the end of his arc, uh, there are some scenes where Paul it's it's like traditional like Spike Lee hard hard attached to his face, mm-hmm. just him monologuing talking to himself just going in depth poetry uh bible verses and it's oh it's just Mm -hmm. moving it's astounding yeah 
It's so it, yeah, he's such a fascinating and tragic character, and yeah, but we got a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, Overall, yeah. perk. What do you think of this movie? Uh, I think the movie is uh, really good. Um, if it maybe for me lacks a little bit in plot. That's fair. Yeah, just mainly because so it it ha- it's like. The backbone of a decent movie that's covered in outstanding, you know, directing, acting, uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the actual more like depth parts of the story, like the subject matter of of black people, Vietnam, Black Lives Matter. It came out in a pretty pivotal pivotal time in in our history in 2020. So but the actual backbone of the story itself uh, left a little for me to be desired. Uh, because mm-hmm. nothing that happened in this movie surprised me. Yep. Uh, all the way through, there there were a few like shocker type moments or almost twists, and it they're telegraphed. Like there, nothing was all too surprising. Like I knew for a fact one of the four was gonna step on a landmine. Oh, dude! When they're first digging up the gold, I'm like, yeah. I mean, because they already they already telegraphed that landmines are gonna be a, a thing. But I was just so scared that Melvin. every single thing was going to be a landmine. Yeah. And then when it finally got to where is it? What's the guy's name? Who Eddie. Was, born? was it Eddie? Yeah. Yeah. When he's walking backwards away from them, I'm like, okay, here. Just no, no, for sure at that point. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think it's actually that's kind of a nice touch from Spike Lee because he he knows at that point that we know that a, a mine, like we know that the Chekhov's gun has to pop. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's probably why he made that scene. The scene where they're digging up gold. It's kind of painfully long, but yeah. he I think he did that on purpose because we, we're all expecting yeah. a mine. So they have Melvin go over and find metal and they have him do it like five or six times in a, a scene mm-hmm. that goes on way mm-hmm. too long. But it, he definitely does that because we're all expecting a, a bomb. Yeah, no, um, I'm in a very similar place as you is. I think, yeah, this the one knock I have with this movie is very predictable in the plot. Like you said, like it's. It's it's a fine plot. It gets the job done. But where this movie really shines is in the presentation. Um, I love them cutting to actual historical photos and video of people they're talking about. Um, <laughs> like I love when they call it, they call Delroy the the black guy at the Trump rally, and then they cut to that footage and just have like the arrow with that dude. Uh, and no, just, but just like all the other historical stuff was fantastic. I I definitely agree with you. That's something that we've seen from Spike Lee before, but the the way he'll just have like a scene going on and characters talking and then just like throw in a PowerPoint slide almost. Mm-hmm. But the way, like the timing of it, the the pace, like how long he lingers on photos, it's all perfect. It really, it it's works perfect. really well. And it never felt like um, out of place, you know, I never felt like, oh, th- they're specifically taking a detour to talk about this historical person. Like it all like flowed within the dialogue. It didn't seem like anything felt out of field or anything right i Um, agree i love how they showed both sides like how vietnamese people have also been like were fucked by the war and their kind of resentment uh towards uh gis which is like totally fair um but then also like the most powerful scene in this movie to me was when they hear of the radio that mlk got assassinated and you know their brothers and sisters back home are like fighting there and they're fighting in a war as cannon fodder for no reason um that, that scene really got me. And just adding all that extra historical context really, really worked for me. Definitely. 
But yeah, then beyond that, like I love the color grading. I think it's their correct term for this movie. Um, especially even especially in the flashbacks, the kind of like green kind of hued everything and very it's very um, I'm not good at the technical terms, but it's very vibrant. Um, all the colors are very vibrant, and the way it's shot is just gorgeous. Um, I think, and then acting is phenomenal. Uh, especially Delroy and, and Otis, I think, were our standouts. Um, I think maybe a little bit too long, two and a half hours, maybe a little bit too long. But overall, this is a very, very enjoyable movie, and I love, I love how Spike incorporated uh, just all of the history and the perspectives that we, we now expect from him. You know, and uh, it all flowed well, and I, I really dug it. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Maybe that it's a little a little long, because I think this this movie has almost two movies worth of content in it. Mm-hmm. You know, where we have the the lead up before they go on their adventure, and like that that whole setup and all the character building and everything. And then, you know, it could, in theory, end with, you know, them finding Norman and going home. And then it's just, like, a nice meditation on characters. But yeah. when it when it pivots into, like, an action-adventure, like, survival thriller, like, mm-hmm. that is also really good. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. could itself be, like, its own movie. Kind of kind of reminds me of uh, Kill Bill, for example. You know, where it's reversed, but Kill Bill, the first half is like yeah. grindhouse slasher full action and then the second half is like a character meditation. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I think this this movie si- similarly has like two pivot points where it like starts off very character focused and then it's, it stays character focused throughout. So I won't say that, but devolves yeah. a little more into action. Um, well yeah, cuz I mean they find the gold like halfway through the movie. Yeah. They, like find it like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, okay." So and I do, yeah, I think they could have, this movie could have been, like you said, they finally gold at the end of the movie, but we spent more time developing Eddie and Melvin, because they're, those characters, they're present and they're great, but they don't really get a whole lot of character development, like, we find out Eddie's actually broke, which, like, is fine, um, but it's really, it's Delroy and Otis and John, uh, Jonathan Major's character, David. I'm blanking on his name right now, David, David thank you, yep. they're, like, kind of the main stars of the show, so you could have done, like, all five of them really in-depth and finally gold at the end. Or you could have had them be mostly action adventures the whole time. But I agree. It's kind of two movies one. But it doesn't really feel like you don't really feel slighted by it. I think it, it works. Um, you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too. So, um, yeah, no. In yeah. in contrast to uh, White Men Can't Jump, you know, where that's a movie that could have ended four times but only ended one time. <laughs> like this movie. Yeah. It makes sense to go all the way through. Like it's not like there were several mo. It it's a perfect build and then a perfect come down. You know, it's it doesn't feel like it should have ended. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just saying that clearly out of this you could make, you know, two movies. But um, I I I will throw in here as another just reference to some stuff we've already watched. Isn't it funny how uh, it it kind of reminded me of Seven Psychopaths a little bit when they're like. We have just enough gas to get to the temple. And it's, it's like the scene in Seven Psychopaths where he's like setting up like this would be the perfect place for a shootout. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in a graveyard on a hillside. And it's like, <laughs> well, it was, it was funny, too, because Vin was the one who suggested that. 
and he's like, yo, if we're going to fight these people, we got to have some defensive. Like, Vin, you a homie, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just be like a tour guy. He's like, no, nah, I'm down. I'm down to clown. Uh, and the thing, the thing too, is like, going back to Delroy's character, he's so paranoid, but he was also right about some stuff. Like, he was totally right about, uh, is it DeRoche or LaRoche? I think DeRoche. DeRoche. Uh, I think backstabbing them. Yeah, DeRoche, uh, probably not too far off from DeRoche. Like, yeah. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. And so he was like, I mean, he was so paranoid. He was pretty much everything. And obviously he wasn't right about everything, but he was right about some stuff. So it's like, I kind of get it, but it's just, he's such a fast, I, I love, I never would have predicted that Spike Lee would put a, a black, like Trump supporter in his movie as like a main character. Yeah. But the way he did it was just perfect and just added so much to the story. No, with nuance too. Cause it's like, it's not like yeah. the Trump supporter of the group. It's not like he's a bad guy. You know, yeah. we get to see his motivations fleshed out. We get to see his character. It's it, it, and it makes sense, right? Like it, mm-hmm, everything's mm-hmm. explainable. He's not one note at all. Given the white guy in the white suit wearing the Trump hat, it's pretty one note. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, he's yeah. fine as a villain. You know, he's just bad mm-hmm. guy who's there to be bad and represent white supremacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also love David's character as well, kind of being the a strange son who's like, this is my last chance to like, you know, reconnect with my dad. Cause I think that happened to a lot of families uh, during the Trump presidency where, you know, family members very heavily disagreed on politics and that led to some divisive uh, divisiveness. So I like him coming into and trying to be like, this is my last chance, but also saying he needs counseling for the fact that he has just horrible PTSD and this guilt over losing um, Chevrolet Bozeman, who, had also had some fantastic scenes in this on the flashbacks. He was such a like a presence. Like you really believe He's that he was so good. The leader. He just yeah blends right into the role. Just disappears. Man, what mm-hmm. a loss missing that guy. Dude, yeah, yeah. And I also loved how they just had the old actors be that play themselves in the flashbacks. Yeah. So there's like there's <laughs> there's some meaning to that. Um, yeah. It's like the I, war is still going on in their heads. Yeah, that. however you want to break down. Like, yeah, the like maybe, you know, they never really left in their minds. So that yeah. and looking back at memories, like you picture your memories, but as you are now and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at first I was a little confused. I was like, why are these old yeah. guys running around? But you you kind of mm-hmm. piece together. It's it's not for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the picture at the end, too, of them de-aged. So like. In case anyone was confused, like, no, they were young. It's just where now they're they're old and it, it, you have to do the, okay, who's who thing. But it's also the the double meaning as well of like, yeah, I think they're, they're still dealing with the repercussions of the war in their mind. So it makes sense that they still are old in the flashbacks. Yeah, that uh, that DH picture looked a little weird, though. Like it was. It was a little bit off. You could <laughs> definitely tell that there was some, some Photoshop uh, liberties taken. <laughs> Uh, there was one thing in this movie that just baffled me. I need, I need your help, Bert. Okay, okay. How old is Otis's daughter supposed to be? Because the math is not checking out for me at all. <laughs> this so, movie takes place in 2020. And right. they And Storm and Norm died in 71. So is his daughter like 50? She did not look 50. She looked like 30. I know, yeah. It doesn't, it really doesn't make sense, <laughs> does it? Especially because I, like, his, uh, TN, his love interest... Mm-hmm. Just like you know, Otis looked like he's maybe what seventies, sixty, seventy. Yeah, T N did not look that old. Like yeah, 
I yeah. Well, I, and he says like, "Oh, you haven't aged a day," so like that I can. That's fine. Right. But his daughter should be like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> like it's for crazy. sure. And no, and she looked like thirty. You know. So yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe thing, but... maybe we missed, and it, it's been intimated that like he went back or something. But right, right. I didn't. I don't think they ever said anything that would hit to that. Maybe it's just like, yeah, it's fine. You know, we just wanted to have this plot point, which whatever, it's fine. Yeah. But I was a little bit. I was like trying to figure out the math in my head. I'm like, this does not make sense at all. I mean, at, at least it wasn't like an eight year old. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be <laughs> that'd be very strange. Uh. But yeah, like I said earlier, this this movie was pretty predictable. The landmine and Delroy being the reason that um, Chadwick died. Like you knew he was somehow. It wasn't just he got killed in front of him. Like he there's something else going on. Yeah, as um, as soon as like they did the flashback where they're like, "Where's Norman?" He's like, "KIA." At that point, I was like, "Yeah, yeah. he killed him." Like I yeah. I didn't know it necessarily <laughs> it was an accident, but like I. Right. At, that's, he was involved somehow right that's what i'm talking about like this this movie's really good but it isn't isn't boundary breaking from a story standpoint right it's not yeah it can be a major twist like melvin jumps on a grenade at the beginning of the movie he says oh, i'd never do that i'd never jump on a grenade it's like yeah everything's kind of telegraph and like it's fine i'm not saying this is like bad things it's just like the plot is not going to shock you but it's not really about that it's more about putting these characters in a situation where they have to kind of deal with their own demons and that's mostly means just paul's character dealing with his demons because he's the one who's the most on the edge and the most kind of right you know, out of it so yeah any anything else you want to point out specifically in this movie you're talking about oh uh yeah sure I, another just kind of this is maybe a little deeper but because of my personal experience with media and yeah. always looking for this shit it's like the the least well hidden christ figure in anything I've ever seen. Like, uh, Norm, Norman is very clearly like a Jesus representative. Like he's even damn near quoting Bible verses when he appears as a ghost to Paul. He's wearing a cross too. He has yeah. A he says like, cross on follow cross. me, follow me. And he gets mm-hmm. wounded in the side, like the, when he's on the cross and they, they cut him in the side. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, and he's every scene he's in, he's bathed in light. Like it, mm-hmm. I I get it. It, it I definitely understand. But like I I get it. Okay, it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not well hidden. Uh I I think lesser men than me would understand it and I'm pretty low. So <laughs> I think you're covering most bases. A lot of people are going to understand that he's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, that brings up the question, are the flashbacks what actually happened or are we seeing Paul's version of the flashbacks? And to Paul like he was essentially a christ-like figure i mean they, they mentioned they, they they i think otis when Otis was telling david about uh storm and norman he said like oh yeah like paul was the closest to him he can he was like a he was a follower of norm yeah you know? he was like right a follower so like, yep. <laughs> yeah they're you know they're, they're not very uh hiding it but i think it still works, it works no it definitely it. does and like don't get me wrong because i'd much rather have like that m- metaphor and that symbolism mm-hmm. i'd rather have it than not have it i'd rather have it be obvious than not be there mm-hmm. Like, no yeah. subtext is just, it's like eating a spoonful of sugar. Like, <laughs> tastes nice, but it's gone instantly. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. to hang around. Yeah. Uh, the other scene I want to talk about, I already mentioned the MLK dying scene. It was really affecting it. But then the other scene that I think was very impressive was the whole boat market 
where Paul has a panic attack with the guy who's trying to give him the chicken. Oh man, that whole scene, absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved think... how Otis was trying to calm him down after trying to trying to actually get him to talk about his feelings, and he kind of worked, but then he kind of re- you know receded, and it didn't really happen. So oh, so good. Yeah, it's. Uh... A pretty, I feel like a pretty good picture of mental illness they've put on in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, oftentimes you know it's very boiled down and and skeletonized, and it's like, oh, crazy person has a meltdown, but it you, you, there's more to it, and this movie takes a better look at it. I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, that's the five bloods. Uh, as far as recommendations based on this. I don't got anything good. I was thinking of Vietnam movies. If you want more of that, you got like Apocalypse Now and Good Morning Vietnam. I'm not a big war movie guy. Maybe Forrest Gump, you know? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was going to say Apocalypse Now just because it's referenced a few times in this movie. So mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. guess that'd be my go-to, but I've not seen it. So <laughs> Neither have I. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. maybe we'll wind down that trail someday. But... I know it's an incredible movie, and I definitely would like to watch it, but right. I also got kind of scared to watch it. I heard it's, it's very just, fucked up. There are movies like that where it's, uh, I think, The Deer Hunter is about Vietnam, too. But they, like there are that movies where right, yeah. you don't want to sit, like you're not pumped to sit down and watch it, bro. Like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just tough to motivate <laughs> to go watch apocalypse now mm-hmm. yeah yeah well i guess yeah one more thing before we move on because i forgot i mentioned it last week we talked about do the right thing spike lee great at making his actors sweaty and <laughs> like fitting in the scene you know what i mean because last week we, it was the hottest day in new york and everyone just always soaked in sweat yeah and then this movie too everyone's so uh, great production design oh for Absolutely sure loved it. no i'm with you i'm i'm big on the Spike Lee hype train. Oh yeah, I'm I'm on to watch all of his movies now, uh, and we might watch one more in this in the string if we get to Black Can- Black Klansman. Oh yeah, uh, hopefully we hopefully do. We Good movie. Yeah, we will see. But yeah, that is our review of Defy Bloods. Um, I think we both recommend it quite a bit. Absolutely. Not recommend to anybody, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, go and check it out if you've made it this far and haven't watched it. Uh, let's get into our bonus reviews. I got one, and you got one, Perk, and I'll let you go first with Coda. All right, yeah, I watched Coda because I'm kind of working through the Best Picture nominees, um, and I uh, am after watching this movie, I'm kind of surprised it's a Best Picture nominee. Not because mm. it's bad, just because this kind of movie doesn't get nominated for Best Picture. So mm. uh, it's clearly right in your anime wheelhouse because it's about a high school girl um <laughs> god damn it <laughs> um no so it's it's kind of a coming of age tale about a girl who uh is the child of deaf adults a coda uh, mm-hmm. so both of her parents and her brother are deaf and she is full hearing and she loves singing and so there's an, a painful irony there and it involves she she wants to follow her dreams but they are coming potentially at the cost of like helping her family. And there's a, there's a balance there. Um, and it's, it's a really good movie. It's, it's, so it has one storyline with a boy from school, which you can miss me with because it's like, <laughs> it like, luckily it's, it's like the C or D plot, but they, yeah, there's a, a boy at school and they have to sing a duet and, uh, they fall in love and yeah, it's mm. corny and whatever, but 
I guess it's, it has to be there because it's a coming-of-age movie, but uh, that's always the weakest point for me is when it's like every other one. But everything else, like the interactions with the family, the way that there are a bunch of things where... Like, her family does things different. Like, she can, you know, sing at the top of her lungs in the middle of the night. Uh, and her her folks, uh, when they're getting it on, are maybe a lot louder than they realize. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, like, the, there's some really cool stuff in this movie. It has good uh, depictions of, of hearing uh, deficient people and mm-hmm. uh, uses actors who have hearing disabilities. So, it's good representation. Um yeah, really uh just cute, sweet, but like well thought out coming of age tale. I'm I'm glad it got nominated for best picture, but I don't really understand why. <laughs> like there, there's <laughs> Jordan, nothing doesn't make any sense. No, there's not any big name actors or actresses. Like the biggest actress is Marley Matlin, um who is 80% deaf in one ear and 100 in the other. So Mm. But like to see a movie like this get a nod is cool. Like yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Is it available to watch anywhere? or Is it rentable? Uh, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, it's Damn it. it's actually it set a record I think out of Sundance. It got bought by Apple TV mm. Plus for twenty five million, which is the biggest biggest wow. purchase in Sundance history. That's yeah, awesome. Really, yeah, I definitely really want to cool. watch it. I'll I'm thinking find a way because I don't have any Apple products. And they won't let you watch it on a browser, which is dumb. But sad. Anyway, yeah, that's Coda. That's um, Coda. I watched the Batman. On Did Friday. you watch the Batman? I watched the Batman on the big, the big IMAX screen. And uh, if you have not heard, <laughs> this is the latest uh, from Matt Reeves, who is most well known for directing. Uh, is it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes? The last two in the Planet of the Apes trilogy that came out recently that is very good um and this is a new batman we got robert pattinson uh donning the cowl this time um versus the riddler played by paul dano who is a very creepy actor in this um it's a whopping three hours long which i know for a lot of people is a big turnoff but for me i was a big fan of it uh because the best way i can describe this movie after watching it is that this is the movie that's felt the most to me like sitting down on a Sunday morning on the couch and just reading a really good graphic novel. Like this isn't a direct adaption of a graphic novel, but it really feels like it. Um, it's a very, you know, slow story, a slow build, uh, classic Batman. Like we, we've talked about in this podcast before, we don't really like monologues at the beginning, random movies, you know, can be kind of like corny, but they do monologues in this and it is perfect. It's the most classic Batman shit I've ever seen on the big screen. I absolutely loved it. Um, I love all of the cinematography and the production design and the music. Like the presentation of this movie is immaculate. Like Blade Runner 2049 vibes. Damn. Uh, High praise. It's, it's, yeah, the color, the way they use color is just incredible. Like, this movie is shot so, so, so well. I cannot overstate that. I think it's worth seeing on the big screen just for the cinematography alone, honestly. Um, really loved their kind of, the way they took Batman and his arc. Um, something that's not really been done before, but it definitely made sense with the character. And then I also really like how they characterized we had learned this, making a much more modern villain. Um, and I also thought Catwoman was fantastic, played by Zoe Kravitz. Um See, I really, really enjoyed this movie. The thing that 
it's so hard for you to like figure out like how much I love it or not. It's like there's not really like a big hype moment in this movie. It's not like like everyone's comparing it to Dark Knight, understandably, but like at the end of the Dark Knight, you know, there's the shot of him, Batman riding into, you know, on the motorcycle and giving Gordon giving that hype as fuck speech of, you know, uh, we need the Dark Knight. And you're like, fuck yeah, let's go. There's not really a fuck yeah moment in this movie, which I was kind of wanting. Um, but the whole time, it's just, like, solid. Like, it's one of the most consistent movies I've seen. It's just, like, super consistent and solid and just cool the entire time. This is a fucking cool movie. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a weird review. But, like, I definitely recommend it, uh, especially if you're a fan of Batman. Um, definitely recommend it for the cinematography. And But I can't be, like... I'm not walking out of it like I was walking out of Spider-Man No Way Home or Avengers Endgame being, like, hyped out of my mind, you know? Sure. It's just like, yeah, that was a really cool movie. I want to watch it again. So, uh, um, I will throw a quick uh, addendum on my and your uh, disliking, like, narrator monologues. Mm. Noir films are certainly an exception. Mm. You can't, mm. Like, you can't really do a noir-type movie without... Like a, a monologue over like a soul sad saxophone or something like that, you know? Yeah. So, I, I was having flashbacks to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. That's another superhero movie. And his monologues are fucking horrible. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, oh, yeah. They're just both sad sack shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like his his monologue, Rob Pattinson monologues in the beginning of this movie, like felt just ripped from the page. Because there's always like, you know, when you first start a, a graphic novel or a Batman comic, there's like the boxes of him just like talking as you go over like city shots, you know? And it was just the exact same thing, and it was so, so awesome to see. Like, man, fantastic. Also, shout out to Colin Farrell playing the Penguin. Just having the most fun I've ever seen an actor have. <laughs> he's covered in all this prosthetic. You cannot even recognize him, and he's just having a blast in this movie. Um, nice. So, yeah. I yeah, so if you, if, I got to ask go about uh, our, our bats um, because, you know, I was thinking about it because – since Twilight, everyone was like, oh, he sucked in Twilight. But then since then, mm-hmm. he's been doing incredibly dynamic, like, fantastic performances and has been knocking every pitch out of the park. And, I, like, I was super hyped for Batman because I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. people don't understand he's a great actor. And then I thought about it and I'm like, oh, but Batman's just kind of edgy and brooding, which is pretty much what he was doing in Twilight. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is it... Is it similar, or is he better than Twilight brooding? I mean, he's better than Twilight. It's definitely it's not as comically goofy as it is in Twilight. Like, right. he's definitely playing emo Batman, which works. Like, they, they took him in a... He's not as... Like, when he's playing Bruce... When he's Bruce Wayne in this movie, like, not in the suit. When he's just playing Bruce Wayne, he's a lot more subdued. And I think that to- like definitely makes sense for this take of their right. doing. Um but I'll be honest with you, like, he's in the bat suit 75 to 80% of the okay. scenes he's in. Sure. Like, this is a Batman movie, and there's some significance behind that, I think, as well. Um, and I gotta say, I never get tired of looking at this bat suit. This is the my favorite bat suit of all time. This thing all is right, sick right. as fuck. I love this bat suit so much. And he's just always in it. I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Um But yeah, no, I think he's he's super solid. I, I love their their take on him, and I don't want to spoil the arc he goes on, but I think it really really works and i'm surprised that this hasn't been done before no i'll try uh, i'll try and get out and see it so we can discuss it in a little further detail yeah yeah i think you're gonna absolutely love the cinematography like i, I like i said it's gorgeous and then the soundtrack there's only really three themes and they just play the shit out of them and it 
fucking works because there's awesome themes. <laughs> like, okay. and if, if you've watched trailer for this movie, this movie is just a three-hour version of the trailer, which is to say it's great. True. So, uh, yeah, Batman, go watch it. If you can't, I think it'll be HBO Max in like 40 days or something 40? like that. 40? Yeah, it's oh, like a month boy. and a half. That's annoying, but whatever. I'll probably wait for it to drop there for me to watch it again. I'll, but, yeah, uh, I'll go see it then. Because, like, yeah. God, that's that pisses me off that, you know, <laughs> Warner Brothers stuck to their guns, or HBO stuck to their guns. Like, we're going to have all of our movies. They're going to come out on HBO same day. Mm-hmm. And they forced Dune to do that. And then what? Mm-hmm. A couple months later, they're like, uh, but Batman, I guess, go to the theaters or else. It's like, y'all but walked it back. Heard? Y'all walked it back so quick. You couldn't do that for Dune? Like, Dune is a a spectacle. This is a movie that needs to be seen on a big screen. But they're like, nah, watch Dune on your iPhone. But Batman, <laughs> Batman, you gotta go to the theater. Perk, you haven't, you haven't heard the pandemic's over. Oh, right. It's okay Co- now. COVID's dead. Let's go. Purdue thinks it is, apparently. They're lifting their mask mandate next Monday. Yeah, we, we're done at work. <laughs> so, which yeah. I'm not pissed about. I don't often work close with a lot of people so mm, it's it's more true. of a annoyance at this point if we if our country can get through spring break i'll have a little more hope but spring break oh, is sure. next week for most people so yeah we'll see what happens but anyway we shall see go watch coda and go watch the batman and uh, go watch our movie for next week great transition. oh yeah it's my pick right mm-hmm. what's the movie called that i picked jacob <laughs> <laughs> the harder they fall thank you it is a new black western that just dropped on Netflix a few months ago. Cool. Uh, insane cast. Jonathan Majors is the connection, correct? Yes. Also, Del Rey Lindo is also in it. So oh, cool. Ones. Yeah. But uh, Jonathan Majors is the main character, so. Well, uh, Del Rey Lindo is the, the crossover then, because he was better in Five Bloods. I, I totally agree. All right. So there we go. Next week is The Harder They Fall on Netflix. And until next time, thanks for watching. Bye. Bye-bye.